You're listening to Pastor Jesse Miller of City Lights Church. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against me. But I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes. Who will be, who will bring the light, or bring to light the, the things now hidden in darkness, and will disclose the purposes of the heart? Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Let's think of this week's message as part B of last week. Um, when you go through a book of the Bible, which I feel like God's called us to do right now, there are certain topics or certain things that we will hit and then Paul will kind of drive out a little bit differently through the next chapter. Whenever Paul wrote this, you got to take into mind that this wasn't like Paul sitting in a room, let's do chapter one, okay, thought done. Chapter two, okay, new topic. This is something where he just wrote and he sent this letter. This is a letter to the church in Corinth. And then later, we decided to put chapters and verses to that letter. Whenever you write a love note to your wife or your husband, you don't put line one, line two, verse three. You know, you don't do that. You give a letter. And that's what it is. It's a letter to us. So chapter four is basically a continuation of chapter three. And when we look at this, we talked, the the series is called How Grace Puts the Pieces Together. The church in Corinth is a mess. They're new believers, they're a new church, they're a small church, but they're a mess. And we talked last week how this church, because of all the different philosophers coming in and out of this Roman-ish type of society, they began to think that they were the smartest people on earth, basically. They thought that they had everything figured out. And last week we looked at how they don't have it figured out. And we have to become people who recognize that God wants to teach us something new, right? tracking with me? So that's kind of a recap of where we, where last week was. And this is basically a continuation of that same train of thought, but a little bit different. So let's look, verse 1 through, through 5, as Will just read for us, <clears throat> he talks about them. He's like, okay, so, so you thought you were so smart in the last chapter here. You guys thought you were so smart trying to compare and fight against me and against Peter and Apollos, your teachers, by making it all about your, whoever your teacher was, making it about one guy versus the other. And he's like, it's not about us fighting. We are all servants of God. We are giving you food. Be ready to eat. And now he says, so what do you do with us? Like, if I just told you that stop fighting about us, stop trying to figure out, I belong to the school of Paul, I belong to the school of Peter, how should you then treat us, right? So he's like, what category do you put me in if it's not like one versus the other, but we're all in this, what, what do you, where do you put me as an apostle, as a teacher, as, a, as your pastor, as your spiritual father, where do you put me? And he begins off by saying this, that I'm not judged by any human court. <laughs> Sounds like a kind of arrogant thing to say, right? You can't judge me is what he says. In fact, I don't even judge myself. You don't judge me, I don't judge me. Because ultimately, it's God who judge me, judges me, right? This is, not, this is not Paul being that guy who's like, 
you, you see it on Facebook all the time. Only God can judge me. Get off my back, people. Like that kind of mentality. That's not what this is. This is not like only God, I do what I want type of thing. He's saying, he begins to say that you don't even begin to have the, you, God brings to light the hidden things. You don't even have the capability to see deep within my heart and my spirit. I myself don't even have the capability of rightfully judging what's really in here. So you want to try to think that you're really smart and educated and judging me versus P- Peter and seeing who's the best teacher. When Let's stop you judging me. Let's let God reveal the truth of what's in here. I can't even do a good job at that, he says. Let's not make this about judging. Let's not, let's not make it about that. See, I love this. Paul's response, he says, when the real judgment comes... God will do more than you can do. God will ha- take it higher than what you're able to do. So stop thinking yourself is so high. When real judgment comes, God will do more than you can do. You can't truly judge me. Even I can't judge me. God will expose everything. Then you will receive, what does it say? The last verse there. Talking about judging, what's the word that comes after it? Then when God judges me, then when God judges you, you will receive your condemnation? No commendation your commendation it's a very different type of judging when we think of judging it's guilty go to jail when God in Christ if we're in Christ he looks at me and he says this is how I see you this is the truth of your heart but I'm elevating you I'm commendating you in Christ you are seated in heavenly places this is drastically different than the gospel that most people preach right the gospel is one day we'll all stand before the throne and God will like start smacking us and we'll see all of our sins on some big screen and we'll all be wailing and lamenting. That is not grace. Sin is washed away. We're forgiven. God will expose our hearts and then he will see us in Christ and give us the commendation in him. It's a very, very different gospel than most churches preach. It. I understand that. But we have to look at that word. Commendation is not condemnation. So Paul says, you're trying to sit and put all this weight on me. You're trying to tell me how I'm not a good teacher or how how this guy's a better pastor and how you've arrived already. Stop making it about that. Stop making it about you. Stop making it about me. Let's make it about grace. How about that? Let's make it about him. Paul is not saying, I I want to clarify this too. Paul's not saying that there aren't moments in the church when we need to use judgment to bring health to the church. He's not saying that either. In fact, that's actually what a lot of the rest of this book is about, exposing brokenness and putting the pieces together. It's real discretion, real judgment, real discernment, understanding where there's sin and how grace can restore and make a healthy church, right? He's not saying we don't, because nobody can judge me, that we just let everything slide. That's not at all what he's saying. And if you've taken, if you have taken that verse that talks about only God can judge me to be like, hey, don't tell me what to do or don't tell me when I'm wrong, then you drastically misunderstand the verse. It's all about pride. This church was full of pride, and Paul is trying to call that out of them. This is about prideful and arrogant and ignorant criticism. Let me explain. Uh, I think I've told the story before. When I was working a job, when, when Ashley and I first got married, I was working night shift in the factory, and before I got hired, my friend who had worked there previously, he told me about this guy named Mike. He's like, dude, Mike is scary. He's insane. 
Like, he, stay away from Mike. I'm like, really? Why? He's like, dude, you'll know when you see him. I'm like, okay. So I go into work, and finally I see this guy, Mike, and he's like a couple, like, stations down from me. And he's like six foot four, shaved head, big earrings. The back of his head has a face tattooed on it, right? It's a tribal face. He's got all these crazy flames and, like, skulls and, like, crazy looking. He looks crazy. Let's just say that. And I'm like, oh, that's Mike. This guy's going to eat me. You know, I'm, I'm, like, afraid of Mike. And then one, like, a couple months into this job, and I'm trying to, like, avoid Mike everywhere. Like, I'm walking the, like, break. I'm going the other way to go get my snack, you know. And finally, one day, my boss puts me with Mike. I'm like, oh, Lord. I'm doing, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. I, I didn't do that. I didn't. But finally, I'm, I'm with Mike, and I begin to talk to Mike, and he is literally the nicest guy I've ever met at any job ever. Like, just such a peaceful, happy, like, father of two kids, really great husband. His wife actually worked with me, and I didn't really realize it. I'm like, that's your wife? How did that happen? Like, what? You're awesome. That's how that happened. You're a really cool guy. When we judge with critical and ignorant, uninformed judgments, we make bad decisions. And that is what the Church of Corinth is doing to Paul. They're saying, oh, we've already learned everything we need to know, so we're going to judge you according to our standards. We're going to make decisions about you. We're ignorant. This is, also, this is children. This is children making a decision about somebody. They don't even have a clue. He says that in the last chapter. He's like, you're still on milk. I can't even give you a real spiritual food because you're ignorant right now. He's not trying to be mean. He's trying to bring truth. It's like, how many of you parents have had your kids try to tell you something's fact when you know it's absolutely not fact at all? You're like, that is not true. I see some hands going up. Yep. Like, that happened the other day. Like, just just yesterday, Haley came into our bedroom. Faith and Haley are having an argument about a song, the lyrics of a song. And they're insisting, like, this is the lyrics. I'm like, no. They, They were arguing with Ashley. And She's like, no, that's not the lyrics. And she looks at me, she's like, is that the lyrics? I'm like, that is not the lyrics, Haley. What are you talking about? But kids often think they have the full enlightenment, and often they're drastically wrong, right? That is what Paul is doing here. He's saying, you don't have a clue what you're trying to judge me on yet. You're still eating milk. You're drinking milk. You don't have food. You don't know what you're talking about. That's what's happening. Let's read verses 6 through 13 here for a minute. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against the other. For whoever sees anything different in you, what, what do you have that you did not receive? Then if you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already, You have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. And would would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak and you are strong. We are held in honor but you held an honor, but we are in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And we labor working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. 
When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scums of the world, the refuse of all things. Let's stop there. So this is basically what happens. Let me explain a little bit of the imagery. He talks about being led as slaves. Did you guys catch that little line there? We're being led as slaves. There's an image that would pop into any Roman citizen's mind when they hear this phrase. When Rome or the, when there was a victory that was won, the army would then proceed back in town because they were all over, wherever they were fighting battle. They would proceed back in, and they would go through this big arch. Actually, when Ashley and I were in Rome years ago, before kids, when we were allowed to travel to Rome, we, you can see right by the Colosseum, there's this massive archway. And these arches were called triumphs. Because when you would win the war, your army would walk underneath these triumphs so that the whole city would know they won the war. They came through the triumph. They have won the war. We are triumphant. This is called a triumph. So we, as a nation, triumph. And they would do this because they somehow a lot of them thought that if you come underneath this arch, that all the blood and the sin of war would be washed away off of you. And now you're able to come back into the city as clean and you won, right? But at the back of that triumph would be all the enemy, all those who are captive and defeated and they're slaves. And at the end of the day, before the day was over, after they all hiked through there at the back of the line, at the end of your victory, most of those slaves, or probably all of them, would either be killed or sold into slavery. All these people who were captive in the war. And Paul says, you guys think you're so smart. You guys think you're kings. Really, us apostles, us teachers, us servants of Christ, we're like these slaves for you. We're not the highest of the high. We're not the best here. What does he say? I love that he does this thing. He, he compares in this kind of... I feel like when we read scripture, sometimes we don't get tone. You ever get a text message and you think somebody's angry at you and you don't hear the tone at all? And then truthfully, like they were, it was a joke or it was like they were happy and you just missed... I see blank faces right now. I don't know how to read your faces just the way I don't know how to read your text. <laughs> what is a text message? How does this thing work? That, when we read scripture sometimes, we miss the inflection here. Paul is not telling them they're awesome and he's a slave. He's being sarcastic basically with them. Let's look at that again. For who sees anything different in you? What did you do that you did not receive? If you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? And then this, you have already become rich. Without us, you have become kings. I would that you did reign so that we could sit with you. He's saying, you guys are acting like you're kings, like you've already arrived and you've got this all figured out and you can't be a servant to anything and you're not trying to learn anything and you're acting like kings. I wish you were a king so I could sit with you. It'd be more fun to sit with you and let, let you reign. But we're not reigning as kings. We are servants here. You guys act like you have this all. Where, where does it say? Um, we have become fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. He's, he's making a sarcastic comparison here. Like, look, guys, you don't have it all figured out. We're the apostles here, and we realize our position as servants here. We realize what we are called to do, and you guys are trying to act like kings. The answer here, I, I want you to see this. Paul says, this is what my job is like. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is ministry. This is what it means to be a disciple. 
To answer the call is to be a servant of all. You are spiritual babies, and yet for some reason you're acting like you're kings and you're enlightened. You're new in the faith, and you think you already have it figured out, right? Everybody kind of feels bashed on the head right now. Because I think if we're honest, we can see this in our own hearts many times. I shared last week how I left here one day with Pastor Jared and with Jimmy, our, our former youth leader. I left here in tears because I realized I don't have it all figured out. Not because they were right and I was wrong, but because I realized I still am learning. And that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes, especially when you like to think of yourself as smart. You have to humble yourself and realize somebody needs to teach me. God hasn't revealed everything to me yet, but I want to. I want it. That's a hard thing to swallow. So what is the answer to this? What is Paul's response saying, look, you guys haven't learned it all. You're not kings. We have to be servants here. What is his answer? His answer we see in verse 14 through 21. Let's read this together. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have any fathers. For I have become your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then to be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I will find out not of the talk of the arrogant people, but, of their, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? His answer to their arrogance is saying, let me father you. I don't want to come in and spank you. I don't want to come in and say, get out of the church, you heathens. I want to father you. I want to love you. I want you to live by my example. Look what Timothy's done. Look how he lives. He's living like that because that's how I live, not just in front of you, but in every place I go. Every church that I've been to, that's what Paul's saying to them. Let me father you. How many of us, if we're honest, how many of us can look back at our teenage years and remember a situation and say, man, I wish I would have listened to my parents? That would have been a really smart decision. (laughs) But when we're a teenager, right, we know everything. We are the smartest people and our parents are old and dumb, right? But then all of a sudden you graduate college, you're like, man, I should have listened to them. (laughs) I'm pretty stupid. (laughs) I made a lot of dumb mistakes. Paul says, just look at me and let me father you, please. There's been so many times where I've had to correct my kids. And correction is always frustrating for a parent, if if you love them. You don't like to correct your kids. If you love correcting your kids, you need locked up, sorry. But correcting your kids is not fun. It's just never fun to, to tell your kids they did something wrong. But there's been so many times where I'm sitting with Haley after, like, either she's been grounded from the iPad. That's, that's the thing now. Like, get that iPad, get the TV out. You're, that's, that's a monster in my house right now. So, anyway, when I take that from her or when she's throwing a fit and when I have to correct her, when I have to tell her what's right or what she did wrong, and she's in tears because she's really sensitive right now. And it's a good thing. It's a good sensitivity. But when I sit down and I talk to her and she doesn't want to look us in the eyes, I always, Ashley and I are always like, look in our eyes. Look at my eyes. Because I want her to see my heart. I want her to understand how I feel. I want her to understand how we live life. And Paul with the church of Corinth is saying to them, look in my eyes. 
I, I know I just corrected you harshly and called you children and said that you are not kings, you are fools, basically. I want you to look in my eyes and see that there's more for this life. There's more for the church of God in Corinth than what you're currently doing. And if you can't look in my eyes and see my heart and see the offspring of Timothy and see that my life doesn't reflect the cross, if you can't see that, then I'm sorry. But if you can see that, then maybe you can grasp onto the truth that I'm about to bring to you. Does that make sense? That is the heart of the Father, is to Father. We are to disciple. We are to be discipled. We are to always live humbly, knowing that we don't know everything, but God is the giver of all good things, and I want to receive them, I want to be obedient, and I want to be teachable. That's what we're called to be as a church. He says that there, a lot of translations say there are many teachers, but not many fathers. Really, what that verse should look like uh, a better translation is to that culture would have been there are many caretakers or there are many babysitters. How many of you guys have been a babysitter before, have done that job, right? Uh, or you hire a babysitter and you come home and you're like, what did you let them do in my house, right? The truth is a babysitter could kind of be there to kind of guide and monitor a situation. Hopefully nobody dies, nothing lights on fire. Uh, you know, we, we let them play with every toy in the house or whatever it is, you know. But when a parent's there, it's a completely different set of rules and regulations and even teaching, right? But also, when a parent's there, what's different? Heart of love should be there. Like, I'm, honestly, I've babysat before. I'm going to love my kids a lot differently than I love your kids when I watch them. I love them, but I love my kids more. I'm just being real. And Paul says to them, you guys have had so many people act like babysitters coming in and trying to teach you all these things. And everybody here thinks you're, you're so educated. But what you really need is a father's heart. You really need somebody that loves you and can kind of be here and discipline you. But he says, what, you, what, you, what I wish, I want you to know that I come into your life with a different expectation than some teacher down the street. I come here to father you, to invest in your life. To correct you when you need it. Not just like, I mean, it's the same thing with grandparents, right? Grandparents have authority, but they also just love that freedom. Like, I'm not your mom. I'm not your dad. Eat a bag of candy. There you go. A parent doesn't do that because they're like, you're going to get sick. Grandma's like, you're going to get sick at their house, not mine. So <laughs> it's different. And that's what he's saying to them. He's like, look, you need parents. You need to be fathered. And I'm here to do that. We're here to do that. Apollos and, and Peter, we're here to father you. Let us father you. The comparison that he says in, the, in these verses then is that you, can, you have one of two options, church. You have two different roads that you can take. You can either become puffed up and arrogant, thinking you know everything, or you can have real power. I'm giving you the option. God gives you the option to think that you have all authority and power or you can really be submissive and humble and have actual power. He says, look how I live. Look how Timothy lives. I'm modeling Christ. And that's where we have power. What is Paul's power? Paul's power is not the rod that he says next verse. Paul's power is the gospel of Jesus. He even said that earlier on. He said, when I came to you, I didn't come with good words or anything smart to say. I simply came with the message of the cross that transformed lives. 
So you can either think you know everything or you can submit to Jesus and let him be the power that changes lives around you. That's the power that Paul has. When we read that verse, we have to look, what do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? That's not just a no-brainer. It's also kind of a silly, joking question. He's not saying, you want me to bring a rod? Because I'll bring a rod. You want the belt? I'll give you the belt. Like, that's not what he's doing. I brought you into this world. I'll take you out of this world. I'm kidding. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying, guys, lighten up. Do you want me to be angry? No. You want me to come with a spirit of gentleness because that's where power is. I come with power. Here comes a spirit of gentleness. I want you to see the truth. I want you, I want, I, I can kind of picture this. I, I mean, because I, I have my own kids now, I can picture this. Where you're, you discipline your kid or you correct them, and Haley is the king of it. The little, <coughs> thing she does. And it's like standing in the room, I'm like, Haley, I don't know why you're mad anymore. I told, like, we talked this through, you're, the grounding's over, like it's good. <coughs> like this happened, this happened at the park the other day. What time is it? All right. So I take the kids to the park, the playground, right down the street. They should be having a fun time, right? And one of the things I try to instill in my kids is to not be mean to anybody. Like, I don't want you to be the bullies. I don't want you to be the bratty kids. You show love. That's what Christ does. That's we, we love the hurting, the oppressed, the marginalized. So there was this girl at the playground, and Haley and Faith wanted to get on the tire swing. And this girl comes right up, and she's like, hey, you guys want to play? You guys want to play? And they're like, easy, you know? <laughs> like, my kids are friendly, but it kind of scared them. And this girl, she doesn't want in the tire swing. She wants to push them in the tire swing, which my girls are like, no, no, you're not doing that. And they're like, dad, come push us. I'm like, I'll push. So I get the girls in the tire swing, and instantly this girl comes flying over. <laughs> and like, the girls are panicking. Like, get her away from me. So I take them, and they're like, we, don't, we went out. I'm like, yeah, I know you went out. So I get them out of the tire swing. And this girl starts to follow them. And, my, and Haley goes into, like, bully mode, like, she's following me everywhere. I'm like, she wants a friend, Haley. Don't get on the tire swing, but let her play with you on the slides, right? Just don't, don't be a grouch. And, I, and she starts walking away from this girl and walking away from me and walking away from Faith with this, like, little attitude. And I'm like, what, what's your issue? I said, come over here. We don't act like this to kids. We don't act like this to people. We show them love. We try to be their friend. She just wants a friend. She doesn't have to push you on this tire swing. Just be your friend. Don't be a bully. And, and she starts pouting. I said, you have an option right now. You need to sit here on the bench with me and not have fun, or you can go play and have fun. So she sat down. I'm like, really? You're going you're gonna, you're gonna to do that? So after about a minute or two, she realized this is a bad mistake. So she gets up, and I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm going to play. And she, like, folds her arms, starts walking away like, I'm like, no, 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 no. I said, I better see a smile and I better see your attitude change and be nice to this kid. And she's like, <sighs> a little half smile. Like, I guess I have to smile. And this is what I picture happening in Corinth right now. Paul says, there is so, that verse there, some are arrogant as if I was not coming, as if I didn't love you. You guys are acting in the church. As if you, imagine this, you're the part of the church of Corinth and the guy gets this letter from Paul. And you read this, and you're one of the guys who are arrogant. You're one of the jerks in the church who think you know everything, and you've been saying bad things against Paul. And all of a sudden you read this letter, you're probably like, yeah, that's a good word. No, you're probably standing in the back of this little church room or whatever it is, because it didn't look like this. It was an old, whatever it was. And you're probably like standing in the corner like, I hate Paul. Ugh, ugh. And Paul simply speaking the gospel, and he says, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to come angry, or do you want me to come in the spirit of gentleness? 
and I can, I can visualize in my mind the angry people and the aggressors and the proudful in the church going from this position of aggression against Paul saying, yeah, you're right. Yeah, maybe we need correction. Maybe my heart is hardened. Maybe I think. Do you guys, see, do you guys picture this in your head? Paul is saying, let's change our spirit here. Let's change what's in our hearts. Paul is about to teach them some pretty heavy stuff. And we'll get into that through these next few weeks. And I think a lot of these things God really wants to teach and correct and instruct our church here in Scranton, Pennsylvania with. But we cannot learn. We cannot grow. We cannot go beyond the milk to the real food unless we're able to honestly evaluate our heart and say, I've become puffed up. I've become arrogant or I've become stagnant in my faith. And some of us can't really go to the next thing until we recognize I need somebody to father me. I need to receive apostolic voices. I need to receive pastoral voices. I need to receive instruction. I'm saying this to you because I have recognized this in my own life as well. I need fathers. I'm thankful for Jared. I'm thankful for Dennis. I'm thankful for my dad. I'm thankful for Pastor Jim. I'm thankful for these guys. I'm thankful for my elders, for Kevin and for Martin and for Ryan and Ben, who we sit in, the, in this room back here, and they tell me if I'm weird or if I'm wrong or if I need to reevaluate something. I am not the smartest guy on earth. I know that, and it's good that he has used me anyway. That's what we just saw in a few chapters before. He uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And I have grabbed onto the fact that I am foolish. And he wants to teach me. And so I'm asking us as a church, as we move on to a new thing next week, we have to, at first, before we can receive something, we have to recognize this thing inside of us that causes us to be calloused against fathers or against teachers or against the Word of God. Right? Make sense? He says that I've not come to correct you, but to admonish you. And that's what I'm trying to do this morning, to lift us up out of our, our place of complacency, if that's a good word, and take us to something deeper. As a church, we need to always be ready to go deeper into the, the deeper things of God, deeper revelation, new truth, right? Because once you think you have arrived and you know it all, please come talk to me. And, and hopefully I can point out that you don't. If not, then I'm going to point out a place where you can learn something more. Right? We need to be growing. Never stop being a student of, of God's spirit or of his word. Proverbs chapter 3 says this. Verse 1. My son, do not forget my teachings, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Well, we can become like a son and just receive the teachings and instructions of, of our God, our Father, whether it's through pastors, whether it's through spiritual fathers, whether it's through brothers and sisters in Christ, or whether it's from the Word of God. We have to hang on and receive these things. When we do that, we add life. We add peace to our lives. Make sense? So this series has been called How Grace Puts the Pieces Back Together. And in order for God to put the pieces back together, we have to acknowledge that there are pieces in our lives or even in our understanding that are broken. We have to say, Jesus, just put it back together. Put us in the right position. Put all the things that we think we know, put them in your perspective. 